Our guest in today's episode here in Thriving in Construction, the podcast, is a professional who started as an office secretary of TLC Engineering, overseeing all aspects of the local office operations. We will talk to her about her day-to-day responsibilities when she started, her passion for marketing and business development, and her journey into becoming a principal of this prominent engineering firm. Let's all welcome... Ms. Vanessa Bermudez, Principal of Business Development at TLC Engineering Solutions. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? I'm good, Patricia. So good to see you. Well, welcome to Thriving in Construction, the podcast. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. I'm very excited. So can you explain who TLC is, what you do? I would love our listeners to understand your background. How do you get into this industry and what you do? Yes, TLC Engineering Solutions. It's a 65-year-old firm. We were founded in 1955, headquarters in Orlando, Florida, but we have 17 offices. Eight of them are in Florida, the rest all over the United States. And we have grown significantly in the past few years. We do MEP engineering, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, but we also have the structural engineering, low voltage, which is all the technology for building commercial properties, public and private projects. Uh, We also have energy systems, which includes commissioning, lead, well certification, and we also opened recently an acoustics division. I've been in the company for 19 years. Very proud to say it because I started as an administrative assistant. Wow. And now I'm the business development representative and a principal. So it just shows that it's a company that that stays, you know, helping their employees to develop. Well, it, it also shows I tell people all the time, and you're not the first person that it's been in the podcast that has testified how they started in the industry as a secretary, mm-hmm. and now they are VP of a company, and, and, and you're a principal in this company, so yeah. you're an owner. Yes. Yes, I think the value of that, the way I see it for me, is that I know how everything works from the very early stages of a project coming in the door all the way to it gets done, because I've been through all the phases being working for the company. And, and the time that you've been in the company uh, has allowed you to, to do that too. Yes. And some patience also. Probably. Yeah, a lot. A lot. So what's your role in TLC right now? What, what is, I know you started, you said you started as an administrative. So take us through the journey. Uh, right now you're, you're in business development, but please explain what that journey has looked like so that we can give audi- the audience perspective on, on what's possible. Sure. As administrative assistant, I will support project managers and support the business development representative at that time. So I was more a marketing coordinator. So I learned more about the company, resumes, graphics, everything we do to pursue a project. Little by little, things started moving and I started taking over that because our business development representative left. And, you know, when you want to take something, it's either you do it or you ignore it. And I decided, let me just do this and learn. So you decided, decision. Everything starts with a decision, right? Yes, yes. So while they were looking for... And how long was that from the moment you started to the moment you took that opportunity? Two years, probably. Two years only? Yes. So while they were looking for a business development representative, I was doing it. So little by little, they decided not to look for one anymore. And we didn't have one, but I was supporting that role with other people in the company. And 
and I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I started meeting more people, going out to events, so became marketing coordinator, marketing specialist, business development, and then business development rep for the region for South Florida. And, and that's been 19 years, but I've probably been doing BD rep for about 10 years. So your current role is, I know you're a principal and your, your day-to-day is business development representative for the South Florida region. Wow. How does, how does that make you feel that sometimes we don't take the time to look back and see our journey where we started and uh, all the hoops that, uh, that we had to you know, jump and all the trials and, and, and the blessings in, in the process? How does that make you feel? Well, you know, it makes me realize that, you know, I've been very persistent. I like this company. I like the people I work for and I always wanted to do more. And I'm grateful that I found a place where they let you do more. There's no limits. If you want to do more, you want to meet more people, you want to help other offices. Nobody tells you this is your place. You cannot move from here. So I was able to, to keep moving. Yeah. That's persistence, perseverance. Tell us how do you, how do you sell a product? So how do you sell your company? How do you, and just to give more perspective, what you do is bringing business to the, mm -hmm. to the company. So yes. that's what business development is. The building those relationships and bringing in opportunities for the company. How do you do that? Uh, it starts with relationships, as you said. And for example, the way we met is because I saw your story. If it's a women-owned business, I'm going to go meet that person for sure. But I saw your story. I saw the projects you do. And I approached you and we met in one of the events. I, I do that with every client. I look for something that we could help them develop and they can help us keep growing and look for them. So it's that's the proactive approach. And then you have the, we call it farming, but it's making sure that our existing clients are taken care of, they are being listened, that we are looking for opportunities for them as well, the same way they look for opportunities for us. And then you need to really believe it. For me, that's, that's the biggest thing. I could not move from company to company because I need to believe in the company I am for. If I'm telling you that you're going to get good engineers and that we know how to do that, is because I really believe it's true. Believe in your product, right? Yeah. Uh, when you say farming, that you look for opportunities to help the clients, how do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I, um, I have the, the fortune to be dedicated to business development entirely. So I dedicate my time to look for opportunities. If I know of an office coming down to software, that we've been hearing a lot about that. So I try to look my ways into how to get connected. This company is opening uh, a new office. Maybe I can talk to the leasing agent. Maybe I can find the civil engineer that is helping them put a site plan together. And if I have that connection, then I learn something more and I can call the architect and tell them what I learned. And then it's both of us looking for the connection to that project. So we try to look our ways. And sometimes the client doesn't want to talk to the engineer because it's the last thing they're thinking. But the architect or the construction company may be the contact they want to talk right now. And we try to create those, um, connections. those connections. So then at the end, benefits us. How does someone that is trying to get into business development, let's say there's a, it could be a woman or a guy, it doesn't matter, somebody entering into this world and they are trying to gravitating to business development, 
and build connections and relationships. What, what do you say it's important to build a solid relationship and, uh, and connecting to whoever you need to connect to? I think you need to learn how to listen first. Sometimes we take the role of speaking about ourselves and about TLC and how great we are and how many projects we've done. But that's probably the second step. The first step, you need to know who your audience is, what your potential clients wants to know what they are trying to achieve, which clients they're interested in. So then my response is going to be based on their needs before I come telling them from A to Z, I need to know what exactly they want to hear. Yeah. You, many times we go market and we're marketing us mm -hmm. and putting ourselves as the most important thing out there. there there's a book I read, uh, The Story Brand. And when in reality, we should be the guide for our clients, right? not the hero, is the client. And the focus that we need to have is solving their problem, not ours, yeah. right? Not our need to, to find more work. Yeah, exactly. Someone told me sometime, everybody has the same favorite subject and it's yourself. We all love to talk about ourselves. So if you let clients talk about themselves, you're going to be the best person in the room. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So tell me, in working in this industry, what, what has been the biggest breakthrough that you have experienced? And when I say breakthrough, meaning maybe you got in this industry by chance, or maybe you didn't know what you were going to... Did you ever imagine that you were going to become the principal of that company when you started? No, I didn't imagine working in construction. But if I have to tell you what I envisioned of my adult life was to work for a corporation. I always loved it. And I guess in my early years, you could think of that because I love to wear suits and high heels and all that. <laughs> but funny is that I started working in construction when I was 19. And I was working for the largest hotel in Peru in the year 2018 that was being built in Lima. And 2018? 28. 2008, I'm sorry. See, I'm, I'm making myself younger without noticing. <laughs> And, and I, I love to work there because it was uh, a mix also of, it was Parsons Engineering Science oh. who were the owner's rep and I was working for them. So I love that we had a mix of English and Spanish in the, in the project. But funny is that I was getting, um, at the beginning, yes, all the going to the office and I had to take care of the drawings, which at that time was a master set, all drawn. It was not electronically. And then they broke ground. And when they broke ground, we all moved to the side and my high heels and my suits became jeans and boots. And I had to go seven floors underground to work because they built the parking first and then they will do the 50-story tower ground up. So that was not very glamorous to be inside <laughs> seven floors underground, but I, I loved the whole aspect of the construction industry. And in that position, I could coordinate with the architect, with the engineers, the owners rep, the owners directly. So after that, uh, I've been staying in construction just in different, I think, from different points of view. So you were living in Peru. And did you have any background to construction when you when you joined that company or no, that project? No, I learned a lot there. So, yeah. you, but how do you, well, they hire you to be what? The project administrator. Okay, so it was an administrative role. Yes. So you can't come in this industry without knowing anything. Yes. And become the principal of a company like yes, you are. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, I learned a lot because managing the drawings, if they 
one contractor was asking me for drawings for plumbing, I learned that, okay, those are the ones that start with a P. And then I look from one to eight and I'll get them and make the copies. and so, so you start, you know, little things like that make you start realizing how the pieces come together. So you had not gone to college, uh, to the university before that, or you did? I was, I was in administration, yes. Okay, business administration. Yes. Perfect. Sometimes I, I believe that business administrative people are, are very good in construction. It helps in everything. Yeah, it yeah. does. So you go, you're in Peru and you're on this project. Did you see this project be completed? Almost, yes. I didn't get to the, to the opening ceremony because I moved here. Okay. So you moved to this country. And then what? Then you decide you're going to go look for a job. And how do you do that? I, and, and here's my persistency again, I guess, because the one that was my boss went to work for Marriott. He was working in Parsons and went to Marriott. Uh, so I talked to him. I said, I want to work in the United States. And he connected me to the architect. So I came here working for Architectonica, which was a... Oh, Architectonica. Yes. So you got here in a, like, a, like a work visa or something like that? No, I was a resident because oh, my family okay. had a residency oh, from okay. a few years ago. And I was in that situation that I had to decide, do I stay in Peru or do I from go here. to the United States? So Architectonica hires you as what? Administrative assistant again. And um, then why do you leave? How long did it take you to leave Architectonica go work for TLC? How long was that? Two years. And you you left them because? Well, it was after 9-11. So things got really rough and uh, there was a lot of reduction in personnel. I was fortunate to, to stay and really I was treated great. The people were amazing. I had two uh, project managers that were my bosses and women and I learned so much from them. But it was not the the dynamics that I saw when I came and I, I just thought it was a good move for me. But I decided to go in the same construction field I and, and look for a company in that same field. So when you when you're putting together teams, now that you have all this knowledge, when you're putting together teams, do you and you know what the client wants? You're, you're preparing for a project ahead of time, right? It hasn't come out or mm -hmm. how do you, how far along do you get, how, how soon do you get involved in this process? And what's your strategic thinking and approach in order to be successful? What, what do you do? Well, the ideal is that we know months in advance. And that happens, I have to say, maybe 60% of the time that we know because we're tracking uh, minutes of commission meetings, capital improvement plans, and then we know that something is going to come up. So if we're we have that ideal scenario. Yes, we start looking for which are the architects that we have strong relationship with that could be interested and capable to do this type. So that's the first step. And then a lot of times I help them come up with, okay, you're going to need a civil engineer, you're going to need a structural engineer, and then you have to see if you have any minority points you're going to have to meet and how can we help them start building their team together. And at the same time, we put together our, our best effort to bring them the TLC people that are the best for this type of project. Another occasion we really heard here about these projects a couple of days before or just surprises the RFP out and we have to put things around really quickly. But it's pretty much the same approach. We just do it as fast as we can because we know now 
the clock is ticking. Right. And what has given you the best, the, the most success, you know, in the outcomes that you want? What approach, what has been the differentiator, the distinction that you see when I do this, nine times out of 10, I'm going to get that job or we're going to be successful as a team. Mm -hmm. When we do this, we're not going to, it's not going to mm -hmm. happen. I'm sure now as it happened, you see yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I think the differentiator is when we are ahead of the game first and when we have a chance to build a relationship with the owner. Because if the owner knows us, when the architect comes and talks to the client or talk to people, they're going to hear that TLC has worked for them and TLC has been speaking to the owner, that we understand what they want. So if we are building an airport and we've already worked there and they know that our work is good, then that architect or that construction company knows that we understand. So we are going to bring not only resumes and beautiful drawings, but we're bringing value because we are going to help them understand the needs of the client. So how do you build the relationship with the owner earlier when you're not necessarily in contact with the owner? Because people don't necessarily understand that sometimes uh, a mechanical, an MEP, how we call it, mechanical, plumbing, mm -hmm. and electrical design firm, engineering firm, doesn't necessarily get hired directly from mm -hmm. the owner. It's through an architect mm -hmm. and sometimes through the contractor if it's a design build. So how do you build this relationship way in advance when you might not even be the one getting the well, it, it takes time. And that's when our strategic planning comes in. We do that every year and we decide which are the markets where we perform best, that perform best for us, and who are the biggest players in those markets. So we start setting our grounds. For example, right now, I can give you an example of higher education. And we know who the big players are in the region. So we got to make sure that we are close to those owners, even if there's no project, even if there's nothing coming out that we know, or we see that there's still something in the works. And then we have to pay the grounds if it's a new client. We may not be doing the glamorous, beautiful project, but maybe we are changing our handling units or recommending them a lighting upgrade. And it may not be a huge fee and a huge project, but that's where you start building the relationship and they see that we are interested in the little things and in the big things. We want to help them. We want to be the advisors. We want to for them to trust us, not just to be in the line when the $30 million project. Is there a huge challenge to be a woman in this industry? I mean, you're not necessarily in construction. Besides not the fact that we not, we can't wear the heels sometimes, <laughs> right? When you go look at a project, right. you can't wear your heels because of safety. But what would you say has been, in your experience, the biggest challenge in this industry? Yes, and we have several women engineers and um, I try to stay very close to them. So I can definitely tell you what the challenge is. I have um, my sister is an engineer and my other sister is an architect, both working in construction. So I think the biggest challenge is to be resilient because life will move while you are working in construction and you have to learn how to balance that. For women, it becomes a challenge to balance your life in your personal life, your family life, and balance your profession. And some people think that you cannot do both. I think you can do both. The main thing is that you have to not be afraid to go at your pace. 
What do you mean by that? Because sometimes if you have children, maybe you have to make the decision that it's time to probably put the brakes for a little bit. On what? On the children or in the company? Whatever you decide. <laughs> <laughs> On whatever you decide. I think you have to set those grounds for yourself to see where you want to be in five years. Maybe you won't do it in five years, but maybe you are going to be a project manager in 10. How do you want to balance your life? But for me, the most important thing is that you set those guidelines, not somebody else sets it for you. So if it's time for you to put the brakes on whatever you decide, then it's time. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you figure it out another way. But I think you have to not be afraid to set your pace. We have an engineer in our company that she was a stay-at-home mom for more than 10 years. An engineer, very talented. And now her kids are teenagers. One of them already went to college. And she came back to TLC about five years ago. And she's doing amazing. Now she's studying for her PE license. So you don't have to be afraid that because you are 40, because you now your kids are teenagers and you've been out of the industry for so long, you can get back to it. And she's one of our up-and-comers. And I don't doubt that in a few years, she'll become a project man. But she did it in her own way. Yeah, that's very wise. I, I've actually never... Yeah, we don't have to rush. Exactly. You know? And sometimes you, you're right. You, we can pace and do one thing and then the other. I kind of choose the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of chose, oh, I don't want to stop anything. And I, I don't know. I, sometimes that's possible. It depends on the circumstances. In my case, I jumped into into a family early early on, and and then soon I had to be, I became the, the breadwinner, and and then I I'm, I'm myself I'm divorced. So at that point, you're raising kids, and you're the one that has to so, supply. So what do you do? You know, it's sometimes life doesn't allow, yeah. allow you to, at the moment, and, and I, I guess you still could pace yourself if you don't want to, and you could, depending on the standard you want to live, but it depends. Yes, yes. My my main point is that, that as a woman, you make those decisions yeah. because don't feel like you want to do more and somebody else is putting the brakes on you because you have kids or because you don't. So make sure that you set your ground where you want to go and you, you meet your goal. Very wise. Very, how many kids do you have? Yeah. How old are you? My oldest is 21. My youngest is 16. Wow. Yeah. Who would, that, who would have said? <laughs> so how, how have you done it? How have you... Because I know you for, for a, what, 10 years. At least. And I have never seen you, like, slowing down. I... I've always had the impression that you're you're a grinder. Yeah, I, I am, but I did definitely slow down. I was just little by little doing some things. I took my CPSM accreditation, which is a marketing services marketer, certified services marketer accreditation, and I, I did it slower instead of doing it in three months. For me, it probably took six because I didn't have that much time to study. I did my lead AP the same. People will tell me, ah, oh, in two months, you have it done. It took me about six months to study and maybe more, but little by little, and and I was not attending many conferences that required me to go out of town or late events, all these nice happy hours that business development people go. And believe me, it's not a, a, a punishment. I love those events, but I couldn't go. My kids were coming back from school. I had to go back and see if they did homework. So, But once they started growing, I have to say maybe when they were 10, 11, I went with full force in everything I could do and I could do more. Now, of course, they are teenagers. I, I have a few years from now, I have already planning to go to certain conferences and, and do some more travel and maybe be a bit more aggressive with my time. But I did took it slower. 
So what that's, we talked about that challenge. What's another challenge women in construction or engineering architecture have? I think you need to be ready to show your value to people that may not see it. Or they sometimes think that women in construction are not capable of something. So you're not used to see them. I was telling you my younger sister, she's an engineer. She works in the mine industry. And sometimes she's sent to the mine because she has to solve a problem. And she gets those looks like, and she's my, my sister is petite, 10 years younger than me. And she gets those looks like this little lady is going to fix my project. She's so and she doesn't care. She just keeps doing her work. My older sister, she's an architect. She works in construction too. And she has a strong character. And sometimes she has to bring people up and down and put the things, what, how she thinks they should go no matter what. And you hear those adjectives that are probably not the most <laughs> flattering <laughs> when you are an assertive, strong woman or when you don't care because you know what you have to do. <laughs> well, they say she's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> they But uh, so you have to just don't care and make sure that you show that your value has nothing to do with your gender on your size or the color of your hair or your makeup. You bring that value to the company no matter what. And you just have to pretty much don't listen and, and keep moving. You remind me uh, when I was the head of construction of the city of Florida. Uh, I always developed the habit, even when I was in private site, to, to look at my jobs. First thing in the morning, you know, you arrive early and you go around and you see what's going on. Whether you I was a project manager, it didn't matter. I needed to know where everything was. And the challenge was that working in the city or in an administrative position, right, you you have to have certain outfit, attire, right? Mm-hmm. You're not showing up with boots. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, because you're seeing, you're meeting with a city manager, you're meeting, you know, with politicians, etc. And you're meeting with industry. I show up to the job site, but it was hard to go with heels right. and walk around. And one day I'm like, I didn't want to change because I was going to look funny <laughs> with a skirt, right? Yes. And, the, and a boot. And I just, <laughs> I just, what, I, it's not, you're not supposed to yeah. because of safety, but I did it. Yeah. And I mean, it, I was really walking a little bit on the, on the, on the soil. It was, it was lime rock. They were putting lime rock. And the guy tells me, this is the owner of this company that I was meeting him because he hadn't, there was an issue. He wasn't meeting the, the, the time, the completion time frame. And there was some issues on, on that project. And he tells me, and it obviously was sarcastic. He says, um, and what's going to happen to your shoes? What, watch it. You're going to ruin your shoes. Like meaning, what are you yeah. doing here? Yeah. And I said, who, do you, who cares? <laughs> I just buy a new pair. <laughs> you know, I, I it's it's funny. Yeah. But, but it's true. That's kind of uncomfortable to have to change outfits, yeah. right? Yeah. And and we're going to get comments like that all the time. So that that's what I would say. You just have to move forward. Don't, right. you know, don't get on that because no. sometimes if you do like oh, those yeah. comments affect you, then yeah, just... Keep moving. No, that that person uh, actually, th- those people tend to to respect you a lot, and uh, I became a, a really good friend. And you know, it's funny <laughs> for me. It's a, it was more like exactly. a joke. Exactly. What would be the the project that you're most proud of? And what was that job about? We have lots of them, but one that I really loved 
It's the Miami airport. We worked there in the two largest projects they had, then the South Terminal and the North Terminal expansion. And actually, the Miami office opened in 1996 because of the those developments starting. And at some point, they were both happening at the same time. So our whole office was dedicated. For me, it's great because I see it every day. Our office is right across the airport. We go to the airport all the time. And I feel so proud of seeing with it this portion of it. And it's a huge engine for the city, for the county. And we were part of it. Awesome. And what's been the, the biggest challenge, you know, when the, the most challenging job, meaning maybe you thought this job was going to be this way and it totally turned another way and it gave you the biggest headache that kept you up at night. You know, uh, it could have been a risk for the company or the reputation of the company. Most of the time, residential projects are the most challenging ones. We are very picky when we pick those because we really based our decision on who the developer is, who the architect is. We have a relationship with them, how much experience they have doing this because so many changes happen. As soon as you start building, they start selling. So you have owners want now two units together. Now you want three units. Now you want to change this for a restaurant. And, and that carries a lot of effort and and time is hard because they're selling, so they want to finish quickly and the changes. So we are always very cautious on when we do residential towers. Towers. Yes, right. we yes we don't do much of single family homes. Yeah. Really, very very a few projects that we've done, yeah. but multifamily I think is the most challenging. So residential developments are challenging because of the developer is important who is uh, yes. owning this job probably because of payment, right? Yeah, you know it, Miami is such an attractive location that you may find developers that is their first try. I want to build that. I can sell it pretty quickly and I want to build a condominium tower and I have the money. I'll just do it. And that's, you know, that, that we feel that if you don't have the knowledge or the relationships, then the project is going to be more difficult for sure. Right. So what was uh, a little while ago, we were talking about a topic that was really interesting and escaped me now. <laughs> yes, it's because that I've stayed in the company for, for so long. Right, right. And oh, I was telling one of our people that off, off camera, I yeah. was telling uh, one of our people that I've known these people starting the industry as sec secretary, receptionist or uh, as a laborer and they become business owners. I mean, they, those st yeah. stories are there and it's they're pretty frequent. Yeah. But to the key component, one that I, that I think uh, is you have to stay in the company. You have to learn everything about the company in the years, the time is going to tell you. In your case, 19 years and you're a business owner. I mean, the way I see it, I'm a business owner. You did not do the original investment in this company that you now are a business owner. In other words, you're an investor of this company. You receive dividends of how the company performs. You had no investment in this company. You didn't really did not take the risk. You did not stop working. You know, you did a lot of things, but now you're a business owner. You could have left this company because I'm sure, especially in Miami, you could have been offered more money somewhere else and changed jobs multiple times. Mm -hmm. Yet those people probably don't have a company like you. I mean, it's mind-boggling. 19 years and you're 
you have a company. What, what do you say about it? Well, first, let me tell you that there's a lot of those stories in TLC. Our CEO started in his very early years of engineering, too. And our previous CEO was a woman. Uh, she also started in marketing in her early years, and she was an architect. So we have several of those, and I'm very proud to share that because it, it's a company where you want to stay. But definitely, yes, I've been offered other positions, and sometimes the easiest way to get more money may be moving around. Uh, and I think nobody can argue with that. Yes, it's easier to just get a better offer and just move. Uh, but we have a lot of people that leave TLC and come back to the company because you realize that the money is not always is everything. The culture is a lot. For me, it was important that we have a family-oriented company. So I was able to go pick up my children from school. I didn't miss one show. Whenever I wanted to go, I could go. Doctor's appointments and everything, they let you balance. Um, they, they are based on results. They are not looking over your shoulder. It's an open book company. So for me, that was probably something that stopped me from moving to other firms. It was I didn't want to lose that flexibility, that trust that I had in the company. And that had a lot of value for me. How about how grateful do you feel to the people that receive you in this company and taught you what you what you know today? Oh, yeah, immensely. I, I love not only, you know, grateful for, for the firm and for the leadership, but I've been working with the engineers in the Miami office and the Deerfield Beach office, which is part of the South Florida region, for so many years that for me, that's what motivates me to keep looking for more projects, more work, more challenging projects for them, for them to grow, to learn, to make relationships. I like to share a lot of what I do, clients that I talk to. So when they are working for a certain architect, they know how the project came by. Oh, Vanessa has been talking to them for six months and this is what they like and this is what they don't. So they don't see just as the drawings that showed up in your computer, but you understand what was been going on before the project got to you. So it motivates me a lot to help them bring projects to, to, the, to the firm for the actual people that work for them. When you, the company's backlog is not ideal, a lot of the responsibility is in your shoulders because you got to bring in the work, yes. right? How do you deal with that stress or possible stress? We've been fortunate that if something was very healthy, it was our backlog. <laughs> so that's a good thing. However, the challenge is turn those marketing wins into actual revenue. You know that Miami is probably one of the places, South Florida, I should say, it's one of the places where that gap when a contract becomes actual money is Exactly. Huge. Huge compared to other TLC offices. So it always gets in, you need more work. You need more work because you need to cover those, those gaps. So it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress. We have a great leadership team that works together. How do we get this moving? Uh, well, we're waiting for this project to happen. So we share projects between offices. We can get the people from South Florida working for another office that needs the work. So we kind of try mixing that. But the thing that makes us help get more projects in is those very close relationships. So we start, and I say we because it's not only me, it's that other principals in, in the South Florida region, it's four of us. And we start 
talking to those clients, how can we help them more? Is this something that you want to change here? Do we have possibility of additional work for this project? Or you have something coming up, then let's do the proposal really quickly and get it signed pretty fast so we can cover these gaps. But uh, the challenge in software that is more how to turn that great contract that you just got in moving because of construction costs right now and the schedules and everything gets very difficult, then it's hard to get things moving. And what, what would your kids say about you as they have seen you in this journey? What do they say about construction or ar architecture? And yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I always, I try to tell them as much as possible from my work. And again, I've been working so long for this company that they see uh, that they, my, my coffee cup is TLC. My uh, mouse is TLC. <laughs> my hat that I run with is TLC. My shirt. So they're like, oh, mom, it's all TLC. <laughs> I think I just painted my house and I didn't notice I was putting TLC colors in it. So it's just so much into our lives. They love to hear uh, every time I drive by a project, I say, we're doing this. Or in the conversation, something comes up and I say, oh yeah, my company is doing that. So they love to hear those stories. Uh, they're not into construction. They're singers. They're both yeah. artists. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, but they love to hear the stories. Yes. They well, architecture is pretty art artistic. Yes. So. Exactly. So what would you, what is the biggest challenge? You know, why are, are you, don't you, don't we see more women in, in construction? I mean, I know architecture and engineering has more than mm -hmm. construction. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it because of that balance that you're talking about or is it because there's not an awareness? I think it's hard to stay in the construction industry. We were just talking about this um, of the mic before that we are seeing in, in our company and in other companies that the higher you go in ranking, the less women you see in project management, in senior engineering or senior project managers, because it's probably harder to keep up. As you get older, your life keeps moving and, and, and things get harder. But I definitely think that we need to motivate first. We need to find the reason why. We don't know. And it could be multiple reasons for different women. So in TLC, we started the Women's Initiative, which is a committee dedicated to support women in engineering in TLC. Uh, the beginning, we were starting more to make relationships and meet other women outside of the firm. For the past two years, we have focused on the inside and we're bringing speakers that help you develop, help us with communications. We just had a wonderful speaker that talked to us about how to empower yourself, that when you get down, how to pick yourself up and develop from there, and then how to share that with others. So we are doing this to, to support support women in TLC and to hear what are they interested in? How can we motivate them? Or does the company need to do something different to help women keep progressing in their professional careers? So what have you found out? You, is there something that, why aren't they motivated to keep going once they have gotten to a certain place? I think it's a lot on family side, but then sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's good to stay where you are. We feel safe and not, not everybody has that drive to move forward or you're scared of what's coming. So I think it's more information. Maybe they need to know exactly what is expected and that you feel that you can do it because the more you know, the more you feel that you can do it. If you don't know it, then we don't like to walk into a dark tunnel. So 
I think it's a lot of information because they can set up their goals and learn things and feel that they are being motivated to continue. So for the young women, how, how can we attract more of young women into our industries? What, what can we do for that? We are doing some, we're starting to do some mentoring on that side. And we do a lot of informational sessions. We've been going to elementary schools during, and we have a bring and girl to engineering week. So we've been doing some really? of that. Specific with women? Yes. And now we are talking to the Girl Scouts in Orlando and we're trying to set that that relationship all over the state where we can create a batch for some engineering knowledge and then they get their batch. So I think it's just making it something that they can see and they can touch and feel. If you talk construction or you talk about engineering, many people don't know exactly what you're talking about. And the early we start that they know what you can do with this it's the more you can get interest because, um, you know, kids, when they look for, for careers, they want to go to college, they go for the things they see right. that they can get related to. Right. So I think it's, it's a lot about that. Let's, Awareness. Yes. Make it something that you can see every day. So when a young girl decides to join this career or young woman, what advice would you give her? Now, with everything that you know now, what advice would you give her? Um, I would say... That as we were speaking before, be resilient, be persistent, just keep moving, set up your grounds and your goals. Make sure that you are in a place where you want to be. If you're working for a company, make sure it's a place where they hear your voice. You are allowed to move. You are allowed to express what you want to do. They, they leave you the open door to keep progressing. If you are not in a place where you feel you can do more, then don't waste too much of your time. Maybe learn, but start looking around and then support each other. There's this, I guess, perception that women are very competitive with each other. And I think we need to do exactly the opposite. There's so many changes that have happened to women since the 70s. And then and I was just reading before coming here, we have women CEOs of S&P 500 companies, General Motors, CBS, Best Buy. That didn't happen from one day to the other. And definitely it's when you stay together, when you support each other. Part of the Crew Miami Association, Commercial Real Estate Women, and the theme for this year was lift as you climb. So bring someone up with you if you are moving forward or learn from the women that are leaders in your firm, whatever you're going. So it's, I think it's changed that perception that it's competitiveness, it's support. I think you're, you're absolutely right. The, the perception is real. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. But I agree with your approach that it, it, we just have to do totally the opposite. I move forward in a different direction, you know, help other people grow. And it's not only women, right? Yeah. It's your colleagues, you know, help, just, just help. The more value we can give, the more we grow. Exactly. The and more you have people that you trust around you, it's going to be best for you. Yeah. And, and a lot of so it's all about culture, right? It's the mindset. Yes. So you mentioned culture before, the culture of your company. How do you describe the culture of your company? Because culture is an important topic nowadays. Mm -hmm. People have come to realize how important culture is. And sometimes culture is the way of living of a group of humans, right? Whether you're in a country or you're, it's a way of living and it distinguishes you. Right. The same thing happens in a company. It distinguishes your DNA. How what how people it's not it's not it's not a tangible asset, but it's definitely something that moves you in the right direction or not. And so, how do you 
describe it. What has, how is the culture of your company and what has it done for your company in the growth process that you have mm -hmm. experienced in the last mm -hmm. 10 years? TLC is an employee-oriented, completely uh, company. That's the culture. We're not employee numbers. We are people. You have access to reach out the CEO, the COO, the HR manager, whoever you want, anytime you want. It's a very open book company. They care a lot about benefits, meaning, and the way they prove that is because every year they make a big effort to keep same benefits, to hear what people want to say. We have survey every year that actually is not just the box you check. You respond a whole bunch of questions and then you have the review. The HR manager comes to meet and talk to people about what they responded in the survey. So office get a percentage of, say, of approval by who, the people who work there. We have great events. I mean, last year was a hard year for everybody. We, we couldn't have a holiday party, but they did an event where they were giving prizes and giveaways every day. Every day we'll get something, something little or something big at the end of the week. But every day they were trying to make us um, feel that something about holidays that we were doing. So they want to support the family. If you want to have, if you have family events or something, it's, it's not about measuring how much time you're glued to your computer. If you're able to meet your results and keep your balanced life, then go for it. We have the, the reviews every year, every year. I talk to people sometimes and they tell me, we haven't had a review in like three years. <laughs> every year is a schedule that we have to meet. It's part of the project manager's role. And that's even part of their evaluation. How are you keeping with your staff? So we don't miss one of those. And I think that makes people feel like they do really care about what I have to say and how I feel here. That's true. Uh, and it's, it's, it's crucial. And let me ask you something. When you select, a lot of times the projects you do are for ar architects are mm -hmm. the ones that hire you. Yeah, most company. of the time. When you're selecting whether to go for a project or not, what your ideal architectural firm that hires you, what does that look like? It looks like a firm that is looking for a relationship. That's our ideal client, being architectural or being a contractor or an owner. Someone that is looking for a relationship. We want to help you. We want to learn more about you and how we can grow together. We don't want one-shot project. And if we are not the lowest, then we're not. Believe me, we've had so many times where they come back to us and they tell us, listen, my other two engineers are here. We said, okay, let us look at it. Maybe we can meet the middle do something for you and help you we, we want to help you we want to see that that you want to create that bond that this is not only about getting a proposal and yes or no and we're done we want to build that that's our ideal client is that it it's just that someone that wants a relationship does it does it matter is there anything else that matters well it, it matters that they value us as as people that we're going to do something together tons of engineers and i can tell you we are not the cheapest and there's definitely tons that are capable very capable and very talented but we're looking for something that we can grow together we want to have the people that we talk to each other and we have clients that call us for a question a project that we're not even there and we say okay we're fine because we also understand that not every time we're going to be the perfect ones you have minority points to meet um maybe the other one has more experience than we do on this type of project and we understand uh but if there's a relationship then we can still help you in other things so let's 
we want to keep that connection. We don't like, sometimes that's why we don't like to just send proposals out to someone new. We want to talk to them. We want to meet them. And where is TLC in the next five years? Where do you see your company going? Our goal is to become a $100 million company. And we're very close. We're working towards that. But where we want to be, uh, we want we are people that want to do more than just the engineer. We, we see how the world is turning in a direction where we're looking for efficiency. We're looking for innovation for every type of building. It's what different are you going to do? They're looking at, at so many things happening and things that will come through the years. So we want to be ahead of the game. We want to be the, the smart engineers that you call when you don't know how to handle this and we want to be the ones that are going to guide our clients to it that we learn we did it before with lead we were one of the first companies to be lead accredited and learned so much about it that we were we did a lot of the first the first building in florida was lead certified we were the ones doing it so that's where we always want to be be ahead keep learning so the company invests a lot of time and effort in learning what's coming ahead and what's coming ahead <laughs> well a lot of the things we're doing right now is with well which is another program uh similar to lead and then their esg goals which involve equity and diversity and governance so explain those two more well is another program kind of lead but well includes also it's more focused on the occupants on the wellness of the people community related and then the other one is a lot about how the community affects your project how are you doing things sustainably but not on the construction only but how are you connecting to a community how are you helping your people in benefits in in diversity in in equal opportunity so all of those things are kind of moving that way and we are moving that same way to to learn about this and and keep helping our clients with it interesting what do you think about well i don't know if you experienced that in the in the industry in construction there's a lot of uh, activity uh, in the in the business and a lot of stress that people go through do you think that affects the there's an impact in the Stay the you know not when the person is leaving on the job. I, I'm I'm sorry when the the, the final occupants uh, are in the building, but in the process, whoever is occupying the building in the construction process, mm -hmm. do you think that has an effect on how the building uh, comes out to? In the outcome of the building? I would think it does. Because when you're stressed, you don't think the same way or do, you don't make the, the best decisions of your life if you're deciding under the gun. I think it affects when we are rushing things and you have to just finish it up. So totally, totally agree. I think that the way, the best way the team works and coordinates from the beginning, it's going to have the best outcome for the occupants at the end. Yeah. So... COVID, COVID-19, <laughs> you are a mechanical, uh, mechanical, you know, not contractor, but engineer. How was that? Did you guys get cold? Because, you know, there, there were a lot of changes made yes. to the uh, air conditioning and the, the, the pressure and yes. the flow and what, what air changes. We created a lot of standards from the day that the conversation started, our engineers started working, and we created these guidelines, recommendations for different types of projects that clients could follow. And we started shooting those out as soon as possible. Our healthcare market is the most proactive one on that matter. And from the very beginning, our engineers starting started working on those facilities, making those changes, adding filtration, ventilation, changing 
some of the systems that, that they could do to, it was, you know, we, we couldn't get into the specifics because at the end, it was very difficult to anticipate how the virus was moving. But what we were trying to do is just help them get more ventilation so the air doesn't mix from areas to areas and they can uh, make those decisions. So it was very quick. They started working on that and several of our clients did. In other industries, it was less. We've been hearing about it in the hospitality industry. How are they getting ready? And mostly it was filtration. So they was just changing the filters, not too much of the other changes, but not yet. I think there's a lot more to come, especially for office space, because as we start bringing people back to the office, then are going to start getting more competitive. The new buildings, they're adding things that, that the existing buildings may not have, and this is all based on COVID. So I think there's still more to come on that, how the office the workplace is going to change. Auditoriums is another thing. We were looking at a couple of auditorium projects and speaking to the architects, Yes, what they're thinking, maybe switching the entrance. There's a special entrance for VIP or this other entrance so that everybody exits one side, other people from this side. Technology, I don't think we're going to get rid of those events that are in-person and technology-wise. So how does that change the design of an event space? Because now you have to see how are you going to put the screen and the cameras that before were just to record it, but now you're streaming. So all of those changes are still to come. They're still to come and you guys are preparing for that. When you talk about the technology part of your company that is is being revamped to to meet those needs, that's part of it. Yes, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, because you're always thinking about the client. So, what is in the next five years? You your life. I know you talked about the company, but where do you see you? I mean, you've gotten so so far already, so young. Your kids are almost out of the house. Yeah, I'm excited. I just want to do more. I enjoy my work, so I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm excited to what this region brings for the next five years. We're growing, not only South Florida, but you know, the Florida State, the stuff that our office is doing, we, we're looking to do more projects in hospitality, in, in culture, the office space market, how is that going to change? So I'm excited about doing that. And my son, my youngest, will be graduating probably in five years from college. So that part, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's a way that, that you just start enjoying that you are in a good place, that I'm feeling good. And I want to just keep contributing to to what the, the company can keep doing in the next five years. Many times women don't take good care of themselves because we women tend to be givers, right? Mm -hmm. Nurturers. They put the family first, the husband, the kids. And, and if you have to work, you work. And then the last thing, if there's time, you do something. Maybe you do your nails in the car or something. But what do you do? Because, you know, you, you're very pretty. You're always, I've always seen you super well taken care of. <laughs> what do you do to keep uh, up with your health, your vitality, your sanity, and always be in a great state when you meet people, you know, you're, you're always positive, always smiling, always so joyful and happy. <laughs> What do you do? Thank you. I I guess I have to see that if I don't schedule it, I won't do it. So it's it's a way of for me keeping my balance. And you know, at home, it's been challenging because you don't know when to stop. So I put my schedules of these two days of the week I run. These two days I do another exercise and I just do whatever. I just love to do anything outdoors. I walk my dog and I I put it as a schedule. So okay, it's eight thirty. I should be walking my dog now. So let's go and do it. Even for for just relaxing. I have, I'm going to relax two hours and then I have tons of things to do, but I'm going to just sit down and watch TV for this time. Uh, 
I, I have to schedule it that way because otherwise you just let things go by on top of you and suddenly the day went by and you did nothing for you. So even sitting up, okay, I stop at nine. I'm going to sit up and have a glass of wine with my dinner and I relax. This is what I did for me today. Uh, so I pick that I have to do every day something for me, even if it's running, if it's watching TV, is it walking my dog, is it talking to my mom for 30 minutes or my sister, there's going to be something that I do for me. And I, I don't stress out by, by the things that maybe, well, the dishes are not done, the laundry is not done, but I want to go out and have fun with my friends. I'll do it. You know, nothing is going to happen. Nobody is going to die if the laundry is not done today and it's done tomorrow. So... Okay, I'll just have a fun afternoon. I'll deal with that tomorrow. You treat yourself with mercy. You have compassion for you. Yes. Have you always been like that? I think I learned through the years. I used to stress out more. Maybe when my kids were little, because things move and you have to. I mean, if you have a kid complaining, you cannot ignore it. Um, but I think I've learned through the years too. Let's just sometimes put pause and, and differentiate of things that can make a difference for you at the moment. It will definitely make you feel better if you go out and relax than you stay home and do laundry and didn't do something for you. So I would say just take it slow and be patient with yourself. That's wise. And if you don't schedule it, it doesn't get it doesn't done. doesn't get done. I put everything in my, in my calendar. That's, <laughs> everything. That's great. That's great advice. Yeah. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for being here and in this journey with me and sharing your experience and, and all the success of your company. It's to be an inspiration for so many people. You know, a lot of times there's, there's a lot of great people in this industry and we need to talk more about them. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. This is a great idea. I love it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Thriving in Construction, the podcast with Patricia Bonilla. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you have any suggestions or any related topics you would like us to tackle in our future episodes, feel free to reach Patricia by sending her a message through the website anchor.fm slash thriving in construction or find her on LinkedIn. Thanks again and we'll see you next week here in Thriving in Construction, the podcast.